Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is no better group of plants for flower power forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today, we welcome an old friend back to the podcast. And he's retiring soon, so I thought we'd get him back on while we can. Colin Randall, from Thompson & Morgan, is a font of all knowledge when it comes to new vegetables, and we'll be discussing all the latest introduction of vegetable cultivars in their latest catalogue. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast, and of course to my producer, Charlie Jones. What a week. Monday I was at Luton Hoo for the Garden Centre Association Conference. They announced that it was their 53rd. I've been to every one, made me feel really old. Then, obviously, into London on a Tuesday as usual, into the Sun offices before I flew to uh, the IPM at Essen in Germany. Goodness, nine halls, all kinds of uh, horticultural goodies, so many people to meet. My brain absolutely spinning and spinning. Hope to bring you back uh, some news next week on uh, everything that we've seen and heard. Last weekend it was cold, wet and frosty weather over the weekend, but at least it gave me time to do the VAT return and to make a batch of marmalade. This time of year I do like to make a lot of fresh marmalade and there's 11 one-pound jars now standing on the kitchen work surface. Should see me for a few breakfasts in the next few months. And the best of the garden centres, you know, sitting on Monday at Luton, who watching the four inspectors that go and visit all of the, I think it's 400-plus members of the Garden Centre Association now, and showing us the pictures of the best. Goodness, garden centres have changed. I'm interested, of course, in plants, and my congratulations go to Perrywood Garden Centre in Essex uh, and Cowles up in the northeast for winning the uh, Premier Awards for uh, Plants. The Ruxley Rose Award. Boy, they have some fantastic plants. Uh, And the competition is fierce. Uh, We'll come back and talk a bit more about the Garden Centre Association and what they're offering next week. It might be January and in some people's minds a quiet time for gardens and gardening. Uh, But the latest data from Barclay Card shows there were record spending on garden centres through December... Uh, The sales were up 3.2% apparently across the country. Mind you, UK restaurant sales overall were up 9%. So perhaps uh, that accounts for some of the 3.2% at garden centres. Of course, uh, last December we didn't have snow, uh, which we had the previous year, and a fall of snow doesn't half upset uh, the retail garden trade. We have almost constant comment about Brexit 
Uh, and I was uh, interested to read that UK growers continue to expect opportunities for import substitution. I mean, A.C. Gotham and Son, for example, have planted 220,000 more fruit trees so far this winter in Medwayswale and uh, East Kent orchards. Boy, trees today, uh, apples and pears are very heavy producing uh, and so 220,000 are going to give uh, some tons of fruit in the next few years. Claire Bishop of Dobbies, uh, who have 40 garden centres now, tells us that Monstera, the Swiss cheese plant, Senecio and Sanseveria, mother-in-law's tongue, are now top sellers. You know, we're back where we were in the 60s and 70s with uh, Tom's weeds and those greenhouse plants. Good to see some uh, really nice live material being brought into living rooms. Many are much too dry with central heating and these uh, evergreen plants will do uh, a lot to clean the air. Claire says that uh, the sale of succulents shows no sign of slowing down either. Somebody somewhere is uh, growing a lot more plants. The temperatures may have been up in the 50s earlier in January, but gardeners need to be cautious. You know, we got plenty more weeks before uh, we get into spring. But it is worth, uh, if you've got the urge to start sowing, to get a few aubergine and peppers sown indoors because they're very slow to germinate and get established. They'll sit on the windowsill for weeks, won't be in your way, but of course will crop much earlier if you've started them off earlier. I like to sow one or two seeds of cucumbers too at this time. Pick one of the mini cucumbers. They have uh, fruits that are half the size, just two or three inches long, but several of them at each leaf joint. And if you sow one or two seeds now, you'll be picking cucumbers off plants on windowsills uh, by about the second or third week in May. And of course it's the usual system when you're sowing cucurbits. Get a three and a half inch or nine centimetre pot, half fill it with the seed compost, sow the cucumber seed on its side into moist compost and put it somewhere really warm up in the top of the airing cupboard works very well. But look at it each day because they germinate very quickly. And as soon as you see the first sign of growth, move it to a very light windowsill, certainly during the daytime. And then as that seedling develops and the two seed leaves stretch out over the top of the pot, then top it up with compost. Uh, that bit of stem will produce roots. And by giving that half pot at the time of sowing start and then topping up almost like earthing up potatoes you'll have a much shorter and compact seedling to grow on and then of course it'll need a split cane just to hold the stem Uh, and as I say with luck you'll be cutting fruits about the third week in May Hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theatres May 17th Do you want to tell people the big news? Right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My guest this week is Colin Randall. Actually, we were inviting him back. Uh, he was on a little while ago talking about his 50 years' experience in the uh, sea trade, particularly vegetables and potatoes. And I have to tell you, if I need any kind of advice on vegetable, then Colin's the man for a number of years, uh, chair of the RHS Vegetable Committee and an absolute wealth of knowledge. Now, Colin, uh, I hear that you're going to retire. How on earth can I manage if you retire? Well, I, I better give you my direct line, Peter, I think, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I it's uh, caught up with me, I suppose, that uh, almost don't have to count the days because it's officially the 29th of March Brexit day that I retire. I don't really agree with young people like you retiring at that early age, but there we are. But the reason I wanted to get you on the line today was because your latest sea catalogue has just come through to me and there are several vegetable kinds I haven't grown and don't know. And, and that always worries me. And so I thought, ah, oh, yes, we'll speak to uh, the man who uh, knows the background to all these things. Uh, I mean, first of all, on the front cover, we've got all-season mange to peas. Now, what's that all about? Well, so we're we're doing uh, or, or introduce uh, a few collections of vegetables that can be mixed as such. Of the subjects under still under common market EU regulations, where uh, we can mix cabbages, a range of cabbage varieties together, or, or pea varieties together. But uh, it would still be taboo to try and mix um, uh, cabbage, cauliflower, and uh, Brussels sprout all together. We don't, we'd have the wrath of the, the ministry onto us if we, we did that sort of thing. But we found um, it does, uh, in these instances, it's uh, a benefit to gardeners that they can have a, a mix of varieties within one packet uh, instead of having to buy um, three or four packets of individual uh, varieties and only want a, a few seeds out of them. And it, and it seems to have been taken up very well with their, with their, with their gardeners. They seem very happy with uh, the concept that we're doing. Yeah, you sound as if you're pretty busy in that office. People are really after seeds, aren't they, in January? Yeah, but, but I mean, so... you p picking that up, I see you've got an all-season sprouting broccoli, for example, yeah. uh, and there are three varieties in the mixture, Mendocino, Red Admiral and Burbank. If we have those three and we sow them all at about the same time, does it mean that we'll have a much longer harvest period? 
It will extend the harvest period. Um, I suppose I ought to say, really, with all these um, mixes that we do, you do need ideally to uh, sow all the seeds in the packet because you won't exactly know um, which varieties are which. You'll get the extended season that the packet uh, description gives. And they're always, um, it does depend on the soil conditions, the type, you know, every season's, season's different, isn't it? It, but uh, it gives a, an indication, like with the um, uh, with all the mixes, the how many weeks that you may get a crop off of a uh, prolonged period. I mean, traditionally, I'm talking my father and grandfather's time, we would have grown both purple and white, and they made really huge plants, didn't they? Yeah, um, the modern varieties are much more compact and produce far more spears. They seem to be more compact. Uh, I think the breeding, and similarly with with Brussels sprouts and um, and kale, to a certain extent, the breeders seem to have um, given the the yield um, of, a, of a variety on a smaller plant in a lot of instances. And certainly the the Burbank and the Mendocino. They were still reasonably, they had some decent vigour. I suppose it does depend on much um, nitrogen or um, how rotted the manure or chicken muck in your soil is because they will, you know, brassicas will go on in leaps and bounds and make a lot of leaf if you've got uh, too much nitrogen underneath them. Well, if, I, if I put them on where the sweet pea trench was the year before, boy, I'd get some big purple sprouting plants <laughs> once they get their feet down. Yeah. yeah. Now, move Moving on a little bit, there's tomato bite size. I mean, I've not grown that. I suppose it's not that unusual. There are so many tomatoes oh, now. Oh, there's so many. I mean, I have, a, I have a job trying to keep up with everything, Peter. So I can see the, the breeders will get to some of the commercial trials if, if we haven't... Uh, doing anything ourselves on can't do do everything and bite size is one that i saw at the same time as uh, sweet aperitif um before they either of them were actually introduced seen them in the commercial trial up in um east yorkshire bite size is one i liked um i took a shine to that one more than the sweet aperitif but uh it sort of sister lines to a certain extent. I find the flavour more to my liking in the bite size. It's got a very high sweetness level, but the balance with the acidity in it gave a little more lingering taste on, on the taste tests. You know, if it's come from the same stable as sweet aperitif... Yeah, which has gone on in leaps and bounds. I yeah. mean, that's a hugely popular variety now. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, can, well, can we go on again then? Because yeah. on the next page to bite-sized tomato, I see new beetroot Morello, and you say, eat everything. Now, what's that all about? It's uh, it's one of the, like, um, to be fair, with pretty much all the modern breeding, beetroot breeding, is uh, sweetness levels are, are there from an early stage and that sort of then you get that up in through the stems and the leaves as the plant gets larger now i just chop them up and um i mean i use a lot of things in stir fry stir fry all sorts of things but the actual beet itself beet bulb just wash it under the tap and just munch on it raw like you can all the modern f1 varieties you know from pablo through uh, patolo and wodan 
uh, kestrel. I mean, you pull them, what, at golf ball size or a yeah, bit bigger and then just down. eat them raw? Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, and the, and the stems and the leaves just chop up in salad um, or, or stir-fry them. I mean, they can, you can, of course, use them as a cooked vegetable. As they mature, again, to be fair on... Pretty much all the modern uh, beetroot varieties, um, as they get um, bigger than cricket balls, uh, they still don't go woody. They've still got the the texture. um, Hugely uh, popular subject anyway, year in, year out. Boltard is in the top five, uh, you know, the older varieties. But this one, um, Morello, as the roots mature, when you slice them, they do have a... um, pale white rings within the flesh. Well, no, it's what? not noticeable as they're small, but as they mature, a bit like Chioggia, and a lot of gardeners will know that one as an old Italian heirloom, candy cane beetroot, for, often used for, for baking because of its sweetness levels. And that's got the red and uh, white uh, striping within the root as a variety. So what happens with the exhibition then? Because <laughs> in the old days, we always wanted to grow beetroot without any rings. Oh, yeah, Once... it, to be, it didn't have to show any blemishes, did it? No. A little bit uh, cut out of the... Uh, um, but on the show bench, uh, a lot more in uh, recent years, they don't tend to or don't have to slice uh, bits off of... Uh, of uh, the root uh, vegetables on the display. Why is that then? You do a fair bit of judging, don't you? Well, don't I you? think it was. I think <laughs> whether some of the show they had such perfect specimens, and there was a, another show a, a few days away, sort of thing. <laughs> I think they wanted to use them again. It's a bit difficult when you go cutting bits off of uh, off the vegetables. <laughs> Let's move on again to courgette sure thing. I mean, I haven't come across that before. No, that's uh, it's been around a while in the in the USA, part of uh, what Burpee Seeds, a huge company out in America, and um, it's one of these that uh, for early sowings or early plantings, if if you can, or if anyone's got the luxury of a bit of warmth in a polytunnel or in the greenhouse can plant one of these a little earlier the the, the female flower will, doesn't actually need pollinating it will produce a fruit that doesn't wither and fall off and die off through lack of pollination um, in its early stages but then if you grow it outdoors then in the normal way of, of courgette through the summer uh, still making the male and female flowers and of course the insects will do the job for you, but um, there's been several um, breeders uh, trying to get this a little more forward. They had done trials in the in the USA. I've not seen anything over here done with it on wrapping the flower, uh, the female flower up um, to get a a small fruit because it'd be seedless. The fruit because of course no pollination, so there won't be any uh, the actual flesh won't have any seed. Uh, visible in it which you get with normal courgettes of course um, especially if they get bigger as large, extra large courgettes or as marrows they, they, they do have seeds in but in intents and purposes I mean it's quite a strong flavoured uh, one this one because it did have a, a taste of a, a few fruits because uh, green is still uh, all green courgettes are still 
predominantly a bit like orange carrots, isn't it, with gardeners? They, they, that's what they see in the supermarkets, and, they, and they'll always grow green ones. But you, if you try the coloured, um, uh, especially the yellow uh, and the uh, the Lebanese uh, pale white cream one varieties, they're thicker fleshed and a totally different flavour to the green courgettes that you normally grow. And personally, find I find them a lot better, much much tastier. You prefer the cream to the yellows, yeah? I prefer the other way around, the yellows to the greens. Right, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but going back to that sure thing... So the sure thing yeah, is uh, really... Um, I mean, it's, I didn't know that, that there was self-pollinating, and I must try that in the polytunnel, just tying the flower petals together... It's interesting that the, that the female will, flower will self-pollinate. It will. Um, it all uh, doesn't need any insect activity. Uh, of course, I suppose the um, in the usual way with most courgettes, it's um, the early season, especially if you get a cold start to the late spring. You, know, you can't really put courgettes out until middle of May unless you've got a, you know, plenty of fleece handy and then because of late frost or cold, extra cold nights that they don't appreciate in that early stage. The, the first batches of flowers for the first couple of weeks tend to be all males. I don't get any female ones on uh, courgettes uh, early on in the season. Now if you, if you, because you can I see some very good trials in in Holland in the last two years with later courgettes going the other way, and and planting out in August, putting plants out and getting fruit uh, in through September. Uh, of course, powdery mildew will come in. Um, the breeders don't seem very bothered in trying to get powdery mildew resistance uh, in courgettes and. Um, um, although there has been a little bit of work, I believe, on electrolyzed water as a as a tonic type of thing, but I think that was a commercial uh, bit of work going on that I haven't heard any more about. Um, yeah. It was a couple of years ago that that was uh, for I think for some of the smaller growers who wanted uh, to keep the plants uh, mildew free longer, so yeah. to keep the season going longer. So much, harvest, so much to know about, Colin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then moving you on again, yeah. you've got a new spring onion, white star, with larger bulbs and stronger taste. You know, they're pretty. Yeah, they're pretty um, pungent. If I want uh, very, uh, very pungent. I suppose. Uh, I think gardeners will, when they see the, they see the picture that we've got in the. Uh, catalogue and uh, think, oh, I've seen those, uh, you know, in the supermarkets are quite expensive. You get a little bunch of, uh, sort of four bulbs, about the size of golf balls, I suppose. And and they have been selling those in uh, the main supermarkets for oh, three or four years now. So they're grown for that purpose, so you don't sow them so thickly as you would a Paris silver skin uh, barletta type you give them a little more space or, or thin them um, and just use the thinnings as normal spring onions um, to get a larger bulb and um, so it's a it's a silver skin but they're, they're they're larger peter and they're pretty potent if anyone just wants a mild onion 
which I must admit I'm not much one for pungent ones. I'll eat the leaves. I, I use a lot of that in my stir fry, uh, and and the missus will eat the um, the bulbs, um, but uh, they are quite pungent. <laughs> Sounds like Jack Spratt, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> Finally, Colin, I have to make mention of uh, the kohlrabi Cossack. We saw that or uh, at the Helsinki trials uh, last yeah. autumn. Uh, and I see you're listing that. Yes, it's, uh, it's superb. Um, before I joined the seed trade, I'd never seen one. You know, in, uh, in my school days or um, my f- first bit of gardening practice uh, with the head gardener, I mean, grew grew some turnips and uh, some swedes uh, on the kitchen garden plot, but kohlrabi, I'd never seen one until I joined Sutton's. And... Um, but no one, even all those years ago, so it's been not going for 50 years, been trying to get gardeners to grow the uh, kohlrabi. Another eat-all veg, you know, there's no waste to them. Um, but this one's the extra, sort of goes from one extreme to the other. The Cossacks for actually growing is a huge bulb and it stays very tender, no, no fibre. Um, it's superb, just you sliced up in battens, uh, there's fair, you, you eat the leaves, of course, eat the stems, chuck them in the stir-fry or in the salad. It's a very, you know, it's a very mild member of the Prusica family, uh, so there's no harsh bitterness or um, cabbagey taste to it, really, and I, I really wish gardeners would try them. Well, the two of us, Colin, must uh, see if we can encourage more. The, the big root that I brought back, the size of uh, a rugby ball from those uh, October trials, is still sitting out by my back door, stored perfectly, and uh, when I cut a slice and get people to eat it like watermelon, I haven't found anybody that doesn't like it. So together we need to encourage people. We do, yeah. Yeah. So kohlrabi Cossack. Colin, it's great to chat to you. Welcome your advice always, and uh, we must certainly keep in touch in your retirement. This weekend, 26th of January, there's a snowdrop sale at Middleton House, uh, Bull's Cross, Enfield, uh, and there will be a number of specialist nurseries exhibiting uh, spring-flowering bulbs there. Uh, there'll be rare and unusual snowdrops at prices from five to a thousand pounds. Actually, uh, if you do pay a reasonable price for a pot with one snowdrop in it, planted in the garden and given a bit of care, I'll tell you, that'll increase in number quite quickly and should prove quite good value for money. Whether you get your thousand pounds back or not, uh, well, then that's another matter. Somebody might tread on it by mistake, and that would be an expensive step. There are welly walks at the gardens of Heligan until the 31st of the month. Those walks are aimed at families, and wellies are a must, with puddles and streams to splash through. I'm sure kids will love that. Uh, And also down in the southwest, there's a healthy hedges day at the uh, RHS Rosemore Gardens. They'll be covering a selection of different kinds of plants for hedging, how to plant them and how to prune. So if you're a bit interested in uh, hedging or planting some hedging or caring for hedges, then there's a day at the RHS Rosemore that will be well worth a visit. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, 
sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.